Welcome back to season two of The Good, The Bad and The BPD with me, Tammy Mortland. I'll tell you what, you remember when I said right at the start of season one that saying my full name is weird? Well now it's weird to not say my full name. <laughs> this week I've been right busy because I was poorly on my two weeks off like I mentioned last week. I just sacked everything off, even my podcast planning which is really unlike me. <laughs> I could spend up to five hours each evening writing down my talking points for the episode. So, yeah. I mean, my podcast keeps me busy most most evenings, but this week I've been barren sitting three days up at my mum's. That's where I am now, recording this in my old bedroom. Nostalgic. And if you've seen me on YouTube or follow me on Instagram, then you will know that Baron is a beast. <laughs> he does what he wants. <laughs> we in reason, when my mum and Dave are home. When I'm here, though, he has to do what he's told. <laughs> and he's not figured out yet that he can't quite reach the squirrels in the treetops or the birds flying over the house. <laughs> he also doesn't like being told not to do something. And because he's a staffy, it's more like a roar than a bark. And it's so loud when he's barking at the birds and the squirrels. <laughs> I mean, he hates Postman too. But he does make me feel safe. I could walk anywhere with Baron and I know he would absolutely destroy anybody who tried to hurt me. Because we're pals and he loves me. <laughs> what else have I done? Oh yeah, I went to the... went to a Hindu at... Pesto at the Peacock, which is an offering, and I cannot recommend this place enough. It's Italian tapas style food, and if I'm recommending it, then it's obviously great food and extremely good value for money because we all know that I'm tight. But you get three like tapas sized dishes for you could pick three for nine ninety nine from one menu, or there's another menu that's three for eleven ninety nine, or you could choose three from one first menu or the second menu and it's still eleven ninety nine. So whatever you do it's eleven ninety nine if you go for the um like the daytime menu. Honestly go and get your send books in. Books in? Booked in. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Pesto at the Peacock in Alfred. You won't be disappointed. It's not sponsored either. It's just an amazing place to eat and I've been twice now so it's gotta be good. <laughs> this week started off by having no motivation to do anything at all. And I'm on the last few coughs a day as well. And I think I only have to blow my nose twice now. Once when I get up in the morning and then once before I go to bed. So hopefully by next week my chest infection will have cleared up. But at the start of this week I didn't really feel anything, if that makes sense. Like I didn't feel sad, I didn't feel angry, I didn't feel happy. It was just meh. <laughs> I call them drifting days. And the only way I can describe it to somebody who doesn't have BPD is... I call it monging art, but I know loads of people will find that offensive. So I will call it spacing out from now on. <laughs> so when you're spaced out and you're not really thinking about it in particular, you're in your own little world for a few minutes. Well, that's how it feels on my drifting days. But I do it all day, not for just like a couple of minutes. I just space out all day. And today... I am going to be giving you advice on how to support your friends and family living with borderline personality disorder. Please remember, 
I'm speaking from my own personal experiences. I'm not trying to speak for everybody. Sometimes my wording isn't very good because I've got borderline personality disorder. So, whether you have BPD or not, friendships and relationships take honesty, trust and communication. I'm pretty good at managing my own thoughts and feelings now. So, for this episode, what I'm doing is I'm going to refer back to what I refer to as the pity party stage of my life. And if you don't know what the pity party stage is, go back and have a look at season one. You will find it. Go and have a listen. You will see that I didn't want to help myself, but I needed somebody to help me. I didn't want the help. I needed it. So hopefully this will help you support somebody that also maybe doesn't want to be supported (laughs) and I always say I've got BPD because I wasn't taught how to manage understand or react to my emotions when I I was a child hence why I'm like I am now but (laughs) I did read something online the other day and I couldn't believe it so if you've got kids Do you say things like, oh, this kid's worse off than you. What are you crying for? Or don't be silly when they're asking you like random stupid questions. Because apparently that's gaslighting. It's also a form of gaslighting to lecture your kids on how rude, selfish, ungrateful or dramatic that they're being. Or they are. Who would have (laughs) known? I think we all gaslight each other without even realising it. But... To stop anybody gaslighting the kids, like, here's an easy, effective way to get them to explain the feelings. <laughs> so you could try. Is there a reason you asked that question? Can you tell me why you feel like that? Or what's making you sad? And I think if I was taught how to express myself with other emotions rather than anger when I were a kid, I honestly don't think I would have BPD now. And I mean, there's obviously science behind it, but... That's my personal opinion. (laughs) Moving on to how to support somebody who's just been diagnosed with borderline. 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 (laughs) Get your words out, Tommy. Honestly, I've gone stupid. How to support someone who's just been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. (laughs) And when it comes to diagnosis, it can feel like the whole world is against you. Just for giving you this illness. What you, as somebody who doesn't suffer with BPD has to remember is, it's not our fault we have an illness. (laughs) It's thought that many people with BPD have something wrong with the neurotransmitters in the brain. However, many people with BPD have had childhood abuse, neglect and trauma. So either way, this isn't their fault. (laughs) But once your friend or family member has been diagnosed with BPD, you've got to let the past go. It's not easy. It really isn't. All them horrible things that they've said to you over the years, let it go. All the tantrums they've had, let it go. There is a reason this person has behaved like they have in the past and it's because they've got an illness that's not been identified. You can't fully blame this person for their actions or their behaviours before the diagnosis. I mean, you can hold them a little bit accountable, but you can't, like, proper blame this person. It's your fault you did this, your fault you did that, me, 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 me. Told you I'm in a stupid mood. (laughs) But 
I can honestly tell you. We don't have a freaking clue what's happening in our world. Or our brain. Before our diagnosis. We don't even know after that. We just know there's something wrong with us. It's like the world and their dog is against us for everything we do. We can't do anything right. Everything's our fault. We take everything personally. And we get upset or angry at the slightest thing. <laughs> Somebody looks at you wrong. You either want to cry because you feel like they're judging you. Or you want to punch them in the face. Because you feel like they're judging you. <laughs> You'll text somebody and they don't text you back. You spend the day going over scenarios in your head wondering what you've done to upset this person. Honestly, I wish I could have the power to touch people and they could feel what it's like to be, not me, but inside my brain. That's why I try so hard on the good, the bad and the BPD to explain in detail what it's like. But it is so hard. I feel so many emotions and have so many thoughts all at once. That's why I have to write so many lists. I have to get it out. I have to get all that information out of my brain. And as you can tell today, I'm on one compared to like last week or some of the other podcasts that you've listened to. I'm quite monotone and today I'm like, me, 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 me. <laughs> but I keep saying but. I don't know why. It's just my little break. Once they've got their diagnosis, you, like I say, have to try and put aside the bad past experiences that you've had with this person in order to support them. And there will be a time to address some of the negative and hurtful behaviour that you have received in the past, but straight after diagnosis, unfortunately, it's not that time. We feel bad enough about our behaviour, so you don't need to drag it back up. <laughs> education, education education is the most important thing for anyone who's got somebody living with BPD in their life. Like I said last week, you can't just wing it. My top advice for supporting someone after the diagnosis is don't bring up past or the past behaviour. It doesn't help anybody at this stage. Reassure them that although it doesn't seem this way, at the, this way, that way, that way at the moment, everything will in fact be fine. <laughs> don't tell them it's their fault because it absolutely isn't sit with them read through a few articles online about managing the disorder don't read that crap that they give you at doctors because it's not helpful <laughs> and last but not least get them to listen to the good the bad and the bpd get them to have a listen to me because it's exactly what it's created for <laughs> it's supposed to do what it says on the tin <laughs> After the diagnosis, give them a few days to get their head around actually having an answer. Like, as to why they do certain things, because usually we've waited years for this day and it could be very emotional after the diagnosis. You've got clarity, but you also then go, shit, I've got a mental health issue. <laughs> so then we start to panic about all sorts of things, like, we'll have to tell my employer... Will I have to take medication? Will I lose my home? Can I afford my home? Can I afford anything? Should I try therapy? Am I crazy? How do I get rid of BPD? <laughs> but once you realise that you're stuck with this thing forever, it does start to hit home, like, how much work you'll have to personally do. So then you just go into pity party mode if you don't want to pull that work in. And why have I got this illness? Why me? You're angry at the world and everybody in it for giving you this mental health condition and then this makes you angry and sad at the same time. You will find after diagnosis, 
your friend or family member may have more frequent outbursts and that's because they're trying to understand and process all this information that's going round in their already overcrowded brain. <laughs> the best advice I can give you a few days after the diagnosis is get them to sit down with a nice warm drink, pen and paper, not a phone, not a tablet. That is very important. A pen and paper. If you want, go out and buy them a nice notepad and a pen. Surprise them. It kind of softens the blow of <laughs> what you're about to ask them to do next, especially if they don't want to. <laughs> so go in with the calm demeanour. Ask them about the day. Don't start the conversation we hope to do with the BPD or the diagnosis. Just ask them if they did anything nice today. If they say, not really, I only got dressed and got in shower. Hopefully they did it the other way around and they got in the shower first and then got dressed. <laughs> Make sure that you show them encouragement. Oh, my foot's going numb. Your response to them just saying, oh, I haven't really done it, I've only got in shower and got dressed, could be, you got yourself up and dressed today. That's an achievement. So be proud of that. Like, what else would you like to achieve today? Is there out I can help you with? And at this stage, me personally, I would have benefited from a lot of support and praise. Even for the small things like just getting up and getting in shower. It sounds daft, but remember in season one when I was talking about that well? Well, well, <laughs> well, well. After diagnosis, that's when I was at the bottom of that well, looking up at the darkness. Nothing mattered, especially my own self-care. So make a big deal out of them getting up and getting dressed because on that specific day, them just getting up and getting dressed would have felt like such a task. Like you're going to the gym for 12 hours straight. Like, I couldn't think about worse. And I do like going to the gym, but going for 12 hours is... No. I mean, it would have been different for me personally because I pushed everyone away. I chose to do this, did I? Mm, bit of both. They couldn't be asked. I couldn't be asked. <laughs> but if you have been diagnosed with BPD, don't be like me. Don't push people away. <coughs> <coughs> See, I sound a lot healthier. My cough sounds loads better. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you. And you better listen. Because I'll be very disappointed if you don't. If you are somebody that has got BPD, you've just been diagnosed with BPD, I need you to know that there is nothing wrong with you. You're not embarrassing. You're not worthless. You're not ugly. You're not crazy. You're not selfish. And you're definitely not unloved. Like, you are worthy of people's time and support. You're worthy of people's love and affection. You are enough. <laughs> you are so much more than borderline personality disorder. And I'm just going to send goosebumps. Oh, that made me get a little bit emotional. <laughs> but if someone kept reassuring me of all those things back in 2015 when I got diagnosed, I probably wouldn't have spiralled so much. I just wanted to feel like somebody understood me and... I don't know, wanted to be there for me, maybe. <laughs> Instead of what I got, which was people saying, stop blaming your mental health. I don't believe in mental issues. 
I don't believe in mental health issues, so don't talk to me about it. And the one that I get the most is, you're just an angry person. It's no to do with mental health. <laughs> me, personally, I just needed reassurance that this illness wasn't my fault and that I did have people to support me. However, back on topic. So, once you have sat them down, ask them if they feel up for having a chat about the diagnosis. If they say no, which they, there's a high likelihood that they will, just say, I'd love to help and support you with this. Can we at least try? Tell them I said it will help. <laughs> if they do want to talk about it, then great. Continue by asking them if they would be willing to write down how they're feeling about the diagnosis. Like Give them the gift of the fancy notebook and the sexy pen and say... I don't know. I've got you a little something to write all your thoughts and feelings down. I did some research and it's supposed to be a good way to support you in understanding how you feel at certain times. You don't have to show anybody if you don't want to. It's for your personal thoughts and feelings. But if you would like to share anything, I'm here to listen. <laughs> and I told you, it is all about wording. Hopefully, this will open up an avenue for communication, like you've shown your friend or family member that you care, by doing research and knowing that this is designed to help them and you're willing to listen. They might even chew your ear off at next hour, like I'm going to do, like we aren't stopping for breath. Best thing you can do is listen. Don't voice your opinion, especially a bad one. It just won't help. Just listen. If you get the opportunity and your loved one seems to be comfortable with sharing information about the BPD and the diagnosis, the main questions that you want to ask them are, how do you feel about your diagnosis? What would you like to do about it? And how do you think I can help support you? They might answer, they might have had enough of you trying to interfere <laughs> and they might shut you off from your questioning. And if this does happen, just change the subject and say, I don't know, we can talk about this when you're ready. It shows that you're respecting their feelings and the boundaries if you say, obviously, we could talk about this when, when you're ready, when you feel up to it. If they decline to talk about their diagnosis at all when you visit, just say the same thing as before. I've got you a little something to write down all your thoughts and your feelings I've done a bit of research and it's supposed to be a good way to support you in understanding how you're feeling at certain times. I'll leave this with you for when you're ready. Just know that I am here for you as and when you'd like to, I don't know, talk about it. <laughs> and then the present and just proceed to have a cuppa and a vague chat about whatever they're feeling up to chatting about. Like I say, if they've got a dog, talk about the dog. Once they have accepted their mental health issue as part of them, because that's the hardest part, they know that they need to work with it rather than against it. And as soon as they do that, things become easier. But until they're ready to help themselves, unfortunately, there is nothing you can really do. Well, there is. <laughs> but it's a bit harsh. Do I say this? Do I put this out to the world? Yeah, whatever. You can be extremely honest with them. You can tell them that you no longer will continue to support them if they can't help themselves, even a little bit. I mean, it's likely to backfire on you, because me personally, if somebody said that to me, I would take this as you didn't care. And you're being selfish, you're blaming me for my BPD. When you aren't, 
But, I mean, Bob says you are. So, obviously you are. <laughs> You're just stating facts. Like, if I don't continue... If I don't start to help myself, then you won't continue to support me. Which is a valid point. From my side and from your side. Just not from Bob's side. <laughs> Sometimes your family member or friend may throw themselves a pity party for a very, very long time. Like me. I had a pity party for about six years. <laughs> Sometimes you simply cannot help this person, no matter how hard you try. Sometimes you have to cut somebody out. And stay tuned for next week's episode when I explain how to end a relationship or a friendship with somebody with BPD. And if you have somebody in your life that has got BPD, you may find yourself quickly becoming their therapist or FP, favourite person. The person with BPD can tend to unload all of their thoughts and feelings and emotions onto you and I'd have done this to anybody who listened to me back in the day, but my mum was my FP, favourite person, get with it. And luckily, I've got a therapist for a sister who's also my favourite person, but maybe in the beginning, you would sympathise with us. Because after all, the whole BPD thing is new to you. Some people find it fascinating. Some people find it absolutely ridiculous. But you do feel better for helping that person with BPD. Because even though I've got BPD, there's a lot of my other friends that have got BPD. And I feel better for helping them. Like I say, after a while, it, it can become a burden. And every day is a struggle for somebody living with BPD. We, we can't just turn it off. We have daily struggles that seem like nothing to somebody who doesn't have BPD. And like I say, I've got loads of friends with BPD, autism, Asperger's, who use me as their therapist. So I feel in a good position to give advice from both sides. The person with BPD and the one supporting somebody with BPD. And I am going to be honest. You do get fed up of listening to the same woe me sob story when they're in the pity party stage where the person with BPD is never in the wrong. They never rationalise, they never accept responsibility. They fall out with you because they think you're criticising them. They think that what you're saying is hurtful and mean and you're doing it on purpose. And I can say this because I used to be one of those people. I was never to blame for my anger or my outbursts. It were always somebody else's fault that they made me feel that way. But I absolutely was to blame. <laughs> Don't get me wrong though, I love supporting my friends to overcome barriers in them in their life, but what I won't do is sit there and tell them that it'll get better on its own or that the life will change if they keep acting and thinking the way that they do. Like, it won't change if you keep thinking that way. You've got to change the way that you're thinking. And if you don't do anything to help yourself, I can't continue to support you because it's just like you want to sit and moan and wallow in your own self-pity. And ain't nobody got time for that. But I do get it. I've been at that stage. I've been at the sitting in bed for days, hating everybody and everything, and nothing being good enough for me. But it's not helpful <laughs> for anybody. You, your friends, your family... And like I say, it's easy for me to sit here now and say this because I have come through that diagnosis stage. 
I'm not going to sit here and say it was easy. Bloody hell am I not? It's took me, what, six and a half years. But that's because I was in pit, pity party mode. If I hadn't been in pity party mode, I think I'd have been uh, at this point in my life a lot sooner. But I have come through the worst of it. And like I said before, if you'd have told me in 2015, I'd be sat here with a successful <laughs> podcast about borderline personality disorder, I'd have laughed at you. I just I just would have thought that that can't possibly be my life. It can't be. If you are somebody with BPD, honestly, when I say I've been where you are, I have honestly been where you are. It's not an easy stage to get out of, especially without help. But trust me, if you don't have any support, you've always got me. I did it on my own. And if I can do it on my own, you can, if you want to. But if you are somebody that finds yourself getting overwhelmed with your friend with borderline personality disorder, unloading on you all the time, venting, just sort of not taking things out on you, but getting annoyed at a situation and then shouting and then it makes you feel bad, try saying, I love you to bits, but... It's affecting me and my mental health when you give me all that info every day. Can we do a BPD day, say, maybe once a week? Now, this don't mean that you don't care about me or the other person. You just need to think about how them unloading on you affects you. Like, don't guilt trip yourself by thinking, oh, this person with BPD needs me. They've only got me. They haven't. They also need to learn to rely on themselves and not you to make them feel better. If you are somebody with BPD, don't make another person feel guilty for setting a boundary for their own benefit. Like you set your boundaries and get annoyed if they're crossed. Your friends are also entitled to set their own boundaries, which need to be respected. So don't call them a bad friend. Don't make them feel bad for taking time away from you. They're entitled to do so. You don't own them and you can't control them. Some people with BPD do use their diagnosis as a means to abuse and manipulate other people. And I'm talking from experience once again on both sides as the manipulator and the manipulated. And I will say, do not fall for this. Cut us out straight away unless we're willing to accept that our behaviour needs to change. <coughs> Remember when I said I fell out with everyone and anyone because I could? Yeah, just don't be like me. <laughs> if your friend or family member is at the stage where they want to help themselves, even if it's just, say, writing down the feelings, this is a step in the right direction in moving forward and managing their thoughts, the feelings and their emotions. Try and get them to write a reflection journal at the end of the day. They don't have to do it at the end of every day, but it will help them. Include things in the reflection journal, like times throughout the day that they've felt sad, happy, overwhelmed, etc. If they can identify what made them feel this way, and if they can identify why it made them feel that way try and see if they can find a solution for if it happens again and how they pl like how they plan to deal with it for next time as 
somebody who has borderline personality disorder, I would say the best bit of support you could give me in my pity party stage was don't validate it. <laughs> don't validate my pity party. Nobody should have allowed me to continue that pity party on for so long. Nobody should have let me overstep so many boundaries. Also, though, it was, I mean, it was my own fault for cutting people out. So, like I say, don't do this. It doesn't help. But, yeah, just don't don't validate the pity party. Let them have a couple of days. But that's it, because they'll get into a routine then. However, <laughs> there is ways to approach this subject. And saying something along the lines of, Tammy, feeling sorry for yourself isn't going to make you better. You can only make yourself better by going off your arse. Like, wallowing in your own self-pity won't get shit done and it won't solve your problem. Get off your arse and do something about it. <laughs> now that would have made me feel more worthless than you would ever know. Or I'd have been verbally aggressive towards you. Depends. Depends which way Bob wants to go on that specific day. So don't say that to somebody. <laughs> Instead, try, with this tone of voice as well, come on. I'm going to help you. I want to help you. I can't see you down like this anymore. You were awesome before BPD and you're still awesome now. BPD is not all of you. It's a part of you. So let's make that part of you a little bit more easier to manage. I'm not taking no for an answer. Come on, get your sent up. <laughs> see, that would have gone down a treat with me. Try that instead. Once your family member or friend has decided to take the necessary steps to better manage and understand the diagnosis, this is where you'll see an improvement in how they react to certain situations. And it might only be a slight improvement at the beginning and you might not even consider that as an improvement, but it is. So for example, they may still get angry and kick off, but once they've calmed down, they can then tell you why they became angry. Whereas before, they wouldn't have been able to identify what it was that triggered them to make them angry in the first place. They'd probably just say, I don't know why I'm crying or I don't know why I'm angry. But at least now, they know. So next time it happens, they've already experienced it. So they can now put a plan in to action to sort of like combat it if the situation arises again. See, it's all about baby steps. Even something just as small as knowing why they got angry is progress so you need to make sure that you tell them this and acknowledge how they're feeling and ask them if there's anything that you can do to help because <laughs> saying that though me back in the day I would have rather punched you in the face and talk about my feelings I thought it made me weak <laughs> now I know it actually makes me strong and brave I get so many messages telling me how strong I am for sharing my life with the world my life my BPD whatever Sharing, yeah, the honest side of BPD is, I don't know, it makes me feel better. Because we're not all bad. <laughs> the, the the disorder itself, once you learn how to manage it, it's a piece of piss. But everybody tells me that they struggle to say how they're feeling. And that's why I tell people to write it down on paper. With a pen. Remember those? <laughs> not a keyboard or a smartphone. Put it down. Writing things down by hand helps you to start to process your thoughts. How are you feeling? 
what's triggered you, etc, etc. And after a few weeks of getting into a routine of getting all that information out of your brain and onto paper, it starts to become automatic. And you find yourself talking about it to actual people in person. It's great. <laughs> Everyone should do this anyway, though. Like, it's a great way to manage stress, whether you've got BPD or not, or any mental health issue. Like, go and write something after you finish listening to this episode. Write one thing that you'd like to do for yourself today. Write down what emotions you're feeling right now and why you think you're feeling them. Go and do that. Not right now. Finish listening to the... Uh, the rest of the episode so don't get me wrong though if you caught me on a bad day i would still feel like the world were against me even now like i said last week i had a day where i was back in that well and i wanted to kill myself <laughs> but this time it weren't so big and it weren't so dark i mean it was still a pretty shitty day but i knew it were only a bad day and not a bad week or a bad life whereas before i would have been like Oh my God, my life is so terrible. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I might as well just kill myself because nobody would even care. Like I say, <laughs> I knew it was only a bad day and not a bad life. <laughs> but I have got lots of people to help me out of that well now. So it's all good though. When I'm having one of those days, like my mum usually pesters me to go down. But well, I have to get, she pesters me to get out of my dressing gown first and go to hers for a shower and some breakfast. Sometimes I turn up in my dressing gown, unshowered, and then she makes me get in the shower and have breakfast because I'm going to be honest. And I don't know why I say I'm going to be honest because I'm honest all the time. It's like word vomit. Can't help it. <laughs> One thing I really hate about BPD is the fact that some days... It's extremely difficult to take care of personal hygiene. And that's a little bit... Is it embarrassing? Yeah, it is a little bit. It's a little bit embarrassing to say that, yeah, some days it is extremely difficult to take care of myself and my own personal hygiene. I've sat in bed for days back in my pity party phase without brushing my hair, going in the shower, anything. Honestly, I was gross. <laughs> if you do find that your loved one or your family members struggling to take care of their own personal hygiene for the first few weeks after the diagnosis, it is best to keep an eye on them. Whether that's inviting them to stay with you for a couple of days, calling them every day, going round to visit, just making sure that they take care of themselves by eating enough, drinking enough and looking after their own personal hygiene because... Honestly, we get lost within ourselves. That is the last thing on our brain, brushing our teeth. And I'm somebody that loves teeth. So for me to go a day without brushing my teeth is like... Ugh. But my mum will tell you, I come into her house like a tornado, depending on <laughs> what I've got to say, especially back in pity party phase. If something drastic had happened in week or I were in a black or white mood, I'd just go in, rant my head off about absolute shit that's not important, mind-blowing or life-threatening and... I'd go off like the world was ending. Me and my Dave would just sit there and listen to me and then usually laugh at something that I've said because they find it harsh or funny and the face sort of goes, oh, you shouldn't have said that. 
But they can't help but laugh because I'm hilarious. Obviously. <laughs> but then I calm down. Once I've got everything off my chest, like say, snow globe, once that's all settled and I've got everything off my chest, my tone of voice changes, how I hold myself changes, I become less Tasmanian devil and more Tweety Pie. <laughs> and once you have broken that barrier and your family member or your friend feel comfortable discussing the BPD with you, like me with my mum, you become so important to them. Being friends with somebody with BPD can become overwhelming. And by that, I mean, we become attached to you. We want to spend all our time with you. We will text you constantly to make sure you're all right. We want to tell you about our day and we want to know about your day. And I used to get upset if my friends didn't message me every day. It's a bit different now because I'm 31 and, like, I know they're just busy, but I also know I'm not entitled to all of their time. And if they're good enough friends and they understand your condition, they will text you back when they can. I'm sure of it. People with BPD can actually make fantastic friends because we will always defend you, even when you aren't in the room. We will always have your back, whatever you need. We will drop everything to come and help you. And we're always there if you need a friend or somebody to talk to. However, like with the relationship... However, we expect the same in return. <laughs> and when we don't receive the same level of friendship back, me certainly, I can split very easily on this person. And I am going to do a full episode on splitting, so you know what it is, how to support your person with splitting. And yeah, I'll do an episode on that. Sorry. One of the doors in the house has just blown shut because I've got a window open. And it, I've nearly pooed my pants. Honestly, <laughs> that's the one we're trying to break in house. So, yeah, that's what... My voice has gone a bit funny. I'm not as happy-go-lucky now because I just felt... Felt like someone were coming to murder me. <laughs> oh. Anyway, anyway... Come on, Tammy, sort your life out. What were I saying? It's not about expecting the same in return and splitting. Oh, yeah, I'm doing an episode on splitting. That's what I was saying. <laughs> I can, like I say, split on this person, think they're taking advantage of me, and they don't value me as much as I value them. So stay tuned for that episode and how to not be taken advantage of. <laughs> If you are somebody living with BPD, honestly, I can't get my words out now. That's right. Disorientated me. Concentrate, Tammy. I think that might be the uh, little bit of autistic side in me. I can't, I can't go back to some of that. Oh, come on. Concentrate. If you are somebody living with BPD... I think it's important to remember that we can't expect other people to have the same morals and values as us. Just because we go out of our way to help our friends don't mean that we will get the same back in return. And there's lots of different varieties of friendships. And it's took me a while to learn about all these different varieties of friendships. You need to work out what your friendship is. So, you've got 
one-sided friendships where only one party benefits from the friendship, such as you're the one that's always putting the effort in to arrange things, you always go to them. They just seem to take without giving. You've got mutually beneficial friendships where both parties benefit from the friendship, but in a way that it's like you'd only go out drinking together or you'd only go out partying, you'd only go to certain events together or you have, like, your raving buddies, your drinking buddies. Like, you wouldn't go around every day for a brew and tell them about your deepest, darkest secrets. They're just mutually beneficial when you need to go out or something. <laughs> You've got friends with benefits. People that you just have sexy time with. It's not a relationship thing. It is just sexual. You've got work friends. These are the people you socialise with at work. Maybe a few outside of work, but mainly at work and at work functions. And then you've got platonic friends. And these are your actual friends. And we love these people. We have affection for them, but it's not a what romantic, sexual, we want to take your clothes off kind of way. <laughs> Most of my friends before I was diagnosed with BPD were mutually beneficial or work friends. <coughs> These were people I worked with and they'd only ring me if, like I say, they wanted to go out drinking or vice versa. I'd only message them when I needed someone to go out drinking with or a chin wag we at work. And because my house was close to Chesterfield Town Centre, it were about five to get there, ten to get home. So split between, like, me and my mates, it were about £2. And I had a three-bedroom house, so it were only me that lived there. So it was the perfect place for everybody to pile back at a weekend. I was convenient. My house was convenient. So when I bought my house in Derbyshire, this is when I realised that these people weren't my actual friends. They weren't my platonic friends. They were mutually beneficial friends. And like I say, it took me a while to figure it out. So when I moved... I felt like I was putting a lot of effort into these friendships, inviting them round to my house, and they declined because they were still all going out at a weekend in the same group and not inviting me because, obviously, I live too far away now and I was skint because I'd just bought a an house. And I took it very personal for a long time. And it wasn't until I realised that they were mutually beneficial friends and not platonic friends, and that was OK. It's okay to have mutually beneficial friends as long as you all know where you stand within that friendship. I've had a lot of one-sided friendships. I've still got a few of these now. Swindling them down slowly though, don't worry. Because when you have BPD, you have to tread really carefully to not like overwhelm yourself. Because if you cut too many people off all at once, it can make you start to question if you are actually a good person or not or if you're just being a dickhead. But one-sided friendships are never beneficial, whether you've got BPD or not. And if you are the one putting more effort in, giving more respect than receiving it, then cut this person out, as I mentioned. Like I say, in next week's episode, I will tell you how to end a relationship or a friendship with somebody living with BPD. But if you do feel like you're putting more in than you're getting back, just ask yourself, do I benefit from having this person as a friend? Does this person bring me joy? Does this person show me respect? Does this person make me want to be better and achieve my goals? If you answered yes to those questions, then speak to your friend, because obviously you want to be friends with them. 
like explain in a calm, non-blaming manner how you're feeling and that you'd like more input from your friend on, on this friendship. If you answered no to them questions, just cut that person out. Don't ignore them. That's the worst thing you can do, though. Just explain that you feel this friendship's very one-sided. Unfortunately, you need to remove yourself from the friendship because it doesn't benefit you. And it's affecting your mental health. And if they're good friends, they will be willing to listen and not get defensive about what you're saying. Don't feel bad about cutting certain people out of your life. You're doing this for you, for your own well-being. And as somebody with BPD, my own personal pet hates when it comes to friendships are, if I have done something to upset you, please tell me, but be polite about it because I genuinely will feel bad enough about the fact that I've upset you. So don't scream and shout at me because it won't help. It'll just make me feel worse. And this one's very pathetic, but friends' weddings. So, I mean, actual friends, platonic friends, friends you've known for years, when they don't invite me to the wedding, <laughs> it makes me split and no longer class this person as a friend. And I don't know why. I don't even really care about weddings because I'm not a social gatherings kind of person. I mean, that is probably why I don't get invited, to be fair, because they're probably trying to be considerate of me. But Bob goes, you're not invited to that wedding. They don't care about you. Let's never talk to them again. <laughs> Not texting me back for hours, leaving me on red. This just means you're ignoring me. And if you're busy, just say you're busy. Just send me a quick text and say, busy at mail, get back to you when I'm free. That is fine. That will put my brain at ease. If you're in a bad mood for whatever reason whatsoever, chances are your bad mood will be infectious to me. And I will automatically think that I've done something to annoy or upset you. So I'll start like getting that treading on eggshells feeling. So in return, in return, I become in a bad mood and it makes me paranoid. So yeah, tell me. Tell me it's not something that I've done if you're in a bad mood. <coughs> but on the other hand of that, <clears throat> if I've done something to offend you, don't go and bitch to somebody else about it. It's mine and your business, nobody else's. We don't need other people knowing our business without our permission. Because <laughs> that is one sure way to get on my nerves. Go and bitch about me. Also, when your kids are being disrespectful and you don't pull them up on it, it really, really annoys me. And I know everybody parents differently, but I was told as a kid, look, don't touch. If I wanted something, my dad would have said, yeah, and I want a Ferrari. <laughs> but we can't always have everything we want. So kids that are allowed to run wild, have whatever they want, do whatever they want, speak however they want, I can't get my head around it because I'd have got a cracked horse if I did that as a kid. You did as you were told when I were a kid. I mean, it was the 90s, but... Yeah, I, I can't... I just can't grasp my head around people that let the kids get away with everything it's like and then you wonder why they grow up to be a little shit <laughs> teach them some boundaries teach them some respect because yeah if i like i say if i if i hadn't experienced something i struggle to understand it but like family orientated people like i mentioned last week i just can't physically wrap my brain around <laughs> wanting to spend that much time with your family or, like I say, just letting your kids run mad. 
I just can't wrap my brain around it. But now I have chewed your ear off for, what, about another hour again? I will round up the episode by giving you a bit of a recap on my top tips for supporting your friends and family with borderline personality disorder. So, forget about the past behaviours. It's not important at the minute. Their recovery is the important bit. Don't rush them into talking about the diagnosis. Don't judge them, even if they withdraw and throw themselves a pity party. (laughs) But don't let them have a pity party for more than two weeks. It's not helpful. They get stuck in a well-me phase. Anything over 29 days becomes set in routine. I think it's 29 days, so don't let that happen. Get them a notepad and pen to write down the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, the triggers, what helps them understand what happen- what's happening in the brain. Ask them questions like, how does that make you feel? Is there a specific reason you could think of why you're upset, angry or whatever? Would you like to talk about it? And always, please, please, please remember that it's an illness, not a choice. We don't choose to be this way. Trust me, if we could turn it off, we would. But if you do find a friendship or relationship with your family member is too hard, stay tuned for next week's episode when I try and tell you how to end a relationship or a friendship with someone living with BPD without hurting the feelings, (laughs) in my opinion, obviously. Why do you keep saying in your opinion? Obviously, it's your opinion, you idiot. It's your podcast. It's called The Good, The Bad and The BPD with Tammy Mortland, not Good, The Bad and The BPD with Tom, Dick and Harry. Honestly. (laughs) I can't figure out what to say about this episode. I think I've covered most things. Like I said, most of season two will interlink. So if you don't find something useful on... Oh, my thumb just clicked. This episode, you may find something useful on the next one. Remember, each person with borderline personality disorder is different. We all react differently to situations. We all have our own triggers. We all have our own ways of dealing with our triggers. But please remember that we love you, we adore you, and we honestly will do anything for you. That's it for Season 2, Episode 2. Next week on The Good, The Bad and The BPD, we are going to be discussing how to end a relationship or a friendship with somebody living with BPD. Because... Let's be honest, we're going to feel abandoned, however you word it. But I'm going to give you some tips to try and make the process a little bit smoother. If you'd like to get in touch with me or you have any questions, you can get in touch with me on the Facebook at The Good, The Bad and The BPD. If you have a specific topic you would like me to discuss, then get in touch and let me know. Once again, thank you to Anchor for giving me a platform that allows me to share my wonderful brain with you all. As always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Good, The Bad and The BPD with me, Tammy Mortland. Have a lovely day.